0: Good morning, my name is Stacy, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Chorus Entertainment Q2 2020 Analyst and Investor Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, please press the pound key. Thank you. As a reminder, this call is being recorded. I will now turn the call over to Mr. Doug Murphy, President and CEO of Corus Entertainment. Please go ahead, sir.
1: Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. We hope that you and your families and friends are keeping healthy and safe at this time. Welcome to Corus Entertainment's Fiscal 2020 Second Quarter Earnings Call. I'm Doug Murphy, and joining me this morning is John Gosling, Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer. Before I read the cautionary statement, I'd like to remind everyone that we have support slides for this call. You can find them on our website at www.corascent.com under the Investor Relations section. Now let's move to the standard cautionary statement found in slide two. Today's discussion contains forward-looking statements that may involve risks and uncertainties. Additional information concerning factors that could cause actual results to materially differ from those in our forward-looking statements are contained in the company's filing with the Canadian Securities Administrators on SEDAR. With that, I'll offer some perspective on how Corus is managing our business through this challenging environment. Then we'll briefly review our second quarter results. Turning to slide three. What an unprecedented time we find ourselves in today. Since the COVID-19 virus reached its pandemic status a few short weeks ago, Canada's focus has been on keeping everyone safe and healthy. We applaud the government's efforts to manage the situation while providing Canadians with the information and guidance they need to stem the spread and flatten the curve. We also extend our gratitude to Canada's frontline workers, from our first responders and healthcare professionals to those who are equipping us, with essential supplies and services. Canadians across the country are demonstrating incredible resilience and adaptability during these uncertain times. The same is true of our people here at Chorus. Our workplace is being impacted by COVID-19, much like other businesses across Canada and around the world. Our utmost priority is to ensure the health and well-being of our employees continue to diligently serve the needs of our audiences, clients, and agency partners. We deeply understand that one of our foremost responsibilities as an essential national and local broadcaster is to provide the public reliable and timely news and entertainment programming, particularly in times such as these. On today's call, we will take this opportunity to provide you with an update on how we are navigating the COVID-19 environment and the steps we are taking to maintain business continuity while we remain focused on advancing our strategic priorities. Led by our strong management team, we are well positioned to weather this and we are acting decisively in managing our operations and financial position with the utmost of prudence. Let's turn to slide four. I'd like to take a moment to briefly review with you what we know what we don't know, and what we're doing as we navigate these unchartered waters. Here is what we know. At Corus, we were quick to implement physical distancing and other measures as recommended by public health agencies. And where possible, our employees are working at home. We are united in our support of working with all Canadians to flatten the curve. With these new working arrangements now in place, we are open for business and working with our clients and agency partners to find creative solutions to adapt to this environment as we continue to provide our news and entertainment programming for Canadians. We know that as an industry, total TV viewing is up 10% across the country as people are isolating at home. At Chorus, we have seen material audience growth across our portfolio, including some significant shifting of audiences as a result of the cancellation of sporting events. With the Summer Olympics being postponed, we expect further audience shifting in favor of our chorus channels in the summer. Viewership on news is, as you can imagine, up to record levels. Audiences are turning to global news and other broadcasters to keep abreast of the latest news and information across Canada and in their communities. Over the last two weeks, viewing patterns were up when compared to the spring season to date prior to social distancing measures being put in place. Let me give you a few examples. course, overall, is seeing a 23% increase in total audience delivery. Our conventional network, Global, is up 41% and Global News up 51%. Our specialty services are up 18% and our kids' business is up 25% and global news radio across the country is seeing significant growth. We also know that we are seeing increased activity across our digital platforms. Over the past three weeks, globalnews.ca had almost doubled the web traffic versus the three weeks prior, averaging 2.8 million daily unique visitors. Stack TV and Nick Plus on Amazon Prime Video are also experiencing a leg up in paid subscribers with new subscribers as compared to the prior four-week trend. We have also seen impressive uptake on our newly expanded Global TV app that now offers free 24-7 news streams as well as access to Global and up to six of our top specialty networks both live and on-demand depending on the user's cable subscription options we saw almost triple the amount of downloads in the last three weeks since its launch on March 3rd. Today, we are announcing the addition of Adult Swim and Nat Geo to the Global TV app, now offering access to eight specialty channels. Further, the Global TV app is also now, as of today, available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Our investments to deliver more content in more ways help us to better serve both existing subscribers and Canadians that don't subscribe to the cable bundle. We know, not surprisingly, that ad revenue is affected. Clients are focused on their own pandemic plans, the safety of their people, and work from home protocols. Many companies are adjusting their creative and advertising messages to more appropriately suit the current environment. Consumer-facing businesses, which have been the ones hardest hit to date, such as restaurants, airlines, travel business, hospitality, have for the moment canceled their advertising campaigns. Some clients are pausing, reducing, or delaying advertising investments while they assess the impacts of the situation on their business. That said, all clients are preparing for an eventual return to normal operations. As a result of this, We anticipate that there will be a material disruption to advertising revenues while the restrictions across the country remain in place. Our agile and innovative team is displaying tremendous resiliency and supporting our clients as we help them navigate through this challenging period. Further, we are working diligently to size the financial impact and adjust our business operations accordingly. We also know that virtually all of the productions in Canada and the U.S. are on hiatus at the moment. This has resulted in real hardship for the production community. At Chorus, we have had to shorten some series and delay production altogether on others. We are still assessing the impact of this on our business. Having said that, programming for the third quarter is mostly completed with schedules set. I'll come back to the production topic later in my remarks. Now there are lots of things that we don't know. First and foremost, we do not know how long the isolation restrictions will remain in place and when we'll experience a flattening of the curve. We don't know what the knock-on impact will be economically and how it might affect cord cutting and cord shaving. It remains to be seen how advertisers will adapt their go-forward strategies given the economic slowdown and how they will return to a new normal and we are unsure what the impact will be on the entertainment industry's programming and content supply chain. And finally, despite massive growth in viewership during the COVID-19 crisis, it is difficult at this time to determine how effectively we can monetize these audiences. Okay, so that's what we know and don't know. Here's what Chorus is doing. Against the backdrop of this uncertainty, I am exceptionally proud of the work the entire team is doing and I am confident we will exit this global crisis in good shape. We are firmly focused on business continuity. The entire Corus family has been working tirelessly to provide programming, whether news or entertainment, across our networks, and we are ensuring we are well positioned to return to normal operations when the situation allows. We remain committed to bringing news to Canadians. It's at times like these that one is reminded of the critical role that news organizations play in our society. We are very proud of the work our global news team does each and every day to ensure Canadians are well informed, offering around the clock news and information when it is needed the most. Given that so many Canadians are at home rediscovering television, we have also launched a mix of both nationwide and targeted free previews on many of our networks to provide high-quality content to all Canadians in concert with our BDU partners. And given that all production is on a hiatus, we know that we have received substantial inbound interest for licensing content from Nelvana and Chorus Studios from broadcasters and streaming platforms the world over. At Chorus, we have a solid financial position thanks to the focused efforts of our team over the past few years to manage our cost structure and deliver the balance sheet. Further to that, we have already taken significant and immediate steps to manage our cost structure. These include a hiring freeze, cessation of all travel and entertainment, and the elimination of all discretionary or non-essential expenses such as our annual upfront. In addition, we are evaluating the impact on our programming costs given the widespread production shutdown. And our discipline doesn't stop there. As the situation evolves, we will continue to assess the impact of the COVID-19 crisis on our business and take any prudent but necessary measures to navigate this environment. With that, I'll hand it over to John to review our current financial condition and measures we are taking as precautions in this environment, as well as our Q2 financial results.
2: John? Thanks very much, Doug. Good morning, everyone. I hope you're all well and keeping safe. I'll start now on slide five. Our focus on rapidly deleveraging the balance sheet, maintaining financial discipline, and increasing our financial flexibility has been evident over the past six quarters. Over that period, we have repaid $337 million of bank debt, and that includes $87 million of bank debt we paid down in the first half of fiscal 2020. This has resulted in reported leverage of 3.0 times net debt to segment profit at the end of the second quarter, which includes the impact of the adoption of IFRS 16 at the beginning of the fiscal year. Absent this change, net debt to segment profit would have been 2.79 times. As a reminder, the company's debt is held solely by large financial institutions. The credit agreement, as well as amendments to the credit agreement, are filed on CDAR at www.cedar.com Calculation of leverage under the bank credit facility for purposes of testing compliance with the leverage covenant of 4.0 times total debt to bank cash flow differs in several respects from the reported leverage of 3.0 times. However, at the end of the second quarter, this result was coincidentally very similar. The implication of this is that we have almost a full turn of cover available under the Bank Leverage Covenant. With this financial flexibility, we are well positioned to navigate this unprecedented period. We exited the second quarter with $58.5 million of cash and cash equivalents, And our $300 million committed revolving credit facility, which expires in 2023, remaining undrawn. As of today, we have $25 million drawn under the revolving credit facility, which is reflective of normal course working capital flows. This committed revolving credit facility provides the company with sufficient liquidity to operate in these uncertain times. Our financial priorities remain unchanged. Importantly, we remain committed to increasing our financial flexibility over the longer term. In this environment, however, we believe it is prudent to conserve cash out of an abundance of caution. As such, the company expects to refrain from buying back shares under its share buyback program in the immediate term. Consistent with this approach, while the March 31st dividend was paid as scheduled yesterday, the Board has elected to defer its decision on the declaration of the June 30th dividend payment at this time. The outside date for decision on the declaration of the June dividend is June 9th, by which point the company expects to have more clarity on the nature and length of the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. To be clear, we are not reducing, eliminating, or temporarily suspending the dividend at this time. Diligent management of capital and reducing costs will be in focus as we navigate through the unfolding COVID-19 environment. I'll now provide a brief update on our Q2 results, starting on slide six before handing the call back to Doug. Our second quarter performance represents a solid result, particularly given last year's unusually strong TV advertising revenue growth of 11% in Q2. Consolidated revenues of $376 million declined 2% compared to the prior year quarter or 1% performance for the disposition of TLM last March. This result was driven by lower advertising revenues partially offset by increased revenue from our content business reflecting the benefits of our revenue diversification strategy. Our subscriber revenues remained resilient, growing 1% pro-forma the disposition of TLN. Consolidated segment profit of $116 million for the quarter was up 2% over the prior year, or 4% pro-forma the disposition of TLN, reflecting the benefit of general administrative cost savings and lower programming expenses, which were mostly due to the timing of our Canadian spend and the transition to IFRS 16. We delivered consolidated segment profit margins of 31% for the quarter, and that's up from 29% last year. Consolidated net income attributable to shareholders for the quarter was $18.5 million, or $0.09 per share, and that compares to $6.3 million, or $0.03 per share in the prior year. Free cash flow of $65 million was lower than the $84 million in the prior year quarter, reflecting a catch-up from Q1 on program rights spend and higher restructuring costs, partially offset by higher segment profits, removal of lease payments under IFRS 16, and reduced interest payments on bank debt. Free cash flow for the first half of fiscal 2020 was $118 million compared to $126 million last year. Now, turning to our TV results on slide seven. Overall, TV segment revenues were down 2% or flat for the quarter pro forma, the disposition of TLN. TV advertising revenue declined 6% or 5% pro forma, driven by lower audience levels on our specialty services and the reinstatement of simultaneous substitution for the NFL Super Bowl on a competitor network in the quarter. Our advanced advertising initiatives continue to perform well, representing 24% of English TV ad revenue in Q2. As we noted earlier, these are solid overall results given the tough comparables of 11% TV advertising growth in the prior year quarter. TV subscriber revenue was down 2% compared to the prior year, but adjusting for the disposal of TLN subscriber revenue would have been up 1%, reflecting the strength of Stack TV on Amazon Prime Video and a retroactive adjustment upon renewal of a distribution agreement in the current year quarter. Merchandising, distribution, and other revenues were up $8 million in Q2, representing a 50% increase over the prior year quarter. This reflects a higher number of deliveries at Nelvana on current productions compared to the prior year and a completed sale of subscription video on demand. Uh, programming and increased merchandising revenue from Nelvana. TV expenses in the second quarter were down 3% over the prior year, and direct cost of sales decreased 1%, while general and administrative expenses were down 6%, benefiting from a reduction in revenue based costs, lower transmission costs, and the implementation of IFRS 16. Overall, TV segment profit increased 2% in the second quarter, and TV segment profit margins were 33%, and that's up compared to 32% in the prior year. Now, quickly turning to our radio results on slide eight, radio segment revenues were $28 million and that's a decrease of $2.5 million for the quarter impacted by softness in the retail advertising environment as well as continued economic and ratings challenges in Alberta. Radio segment profit was $4.6 million and that's a decrease of $0.4 million in the quarter given those challenging market conditions. However, segment profit margins in radio of 16% were consistent with the prior year reflecting our continued focus on expense control. With that, turn it back to Doug. Thank you, John. Moving to slide nine, Q2
1: was a solid quarter for us, yet it feels like forever ago, given what's been happening around the world. Before closing, I wanted to reiterate some key points. We are actively managing the COVID-19 situation. This includes ensuring the safety and security of our team, managing our business continuity and contingencies, delivering the news and getting the facts to Canadians in real time, providing entertainment content to our audiences across our networks and platforms, working with our advertisers to address their business needs. And finally, we remain, remain resolute in our financial discipline to maximize our free cash flow, manage our cost structure, and ensure continued financial flexibility for the road ahead. While I am always proud of what our team does, I am incredibly proud of how they have risen to this new challenge. We have quickly adjusted our way of working to ensure our audience get breaking news and great entertainment programming without interruption. Our teams are dedicated to supporting our customers, agency partners and suppliers through this uncertain time. At the same time, we recognize the toll that has taken on our people, particularly where we have seen the shutdown of many productions across Canada for Chorus and our other Industry participants. We are confident that when we are able, we will have our production back in full swing. Over to slide 10. On a personal note, this past week we were deeply saddened by the passing of the founder of our company, J.R. Shaw, who passed away peacefully at the age of 85. Chorus would not exist without J.R., and all of us are aware of the great contribution he made to our company and to the Canadian media and telecommunications industry as a whole. From his tremendous vision and drive when he created our company in 1999 and the profound guidance and generosity of ideas he provided in recent years, he has defined our company. He was a classic builder, an unbridled entrepreneur. He had a soft spot for TV and radio. He reveled in the success of others and provided his unequivocal support. Our heartfelt condolences go out to his wife, Carol, to his children, Heather Shaw, Courses Executive Chair, Julie Shaw, Courses Vice Chair, and Brad Shaw, the CEO of Shaw Communications, as well as to JR's grandchildren and great grandchild, not to mention his extended network of family, friends, and business colleagues. In closing, I want to assure all of you on the call that we have the utmost confidence and belief in our team and our collective ability to get through this together. As ever, we will be available to you for questions in the days and the weeks ahead. We would like to acknowledge and thank our audiences and suppliers, clients, partners, and the government, both federal and provincial, as we all work together to weather the storm. Thank you and back to you, operator.
0: Thank you. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star from the number one on your telephone keypad. Once again, that's star then one, if you would like to ask a question. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. And your first question here comes from the line of Vince Valentini with TD Security. Please go ahead. Your line is now open.
3: Yeah, thanks very much. And let me pass on my condolences for the Shaw family as well. Jared was a great man. Um, If I can start just on uh, program rights and maybe more for John, so it was $148 million spent in the second quarter versus 127 last year, and you're up 30000000 million year-to-date. Is this just all timing and, and the CRTC commitments, and given production slowdowns, plus maybe you can comment on any relief the CRTC may be willing to, to grant you during these unprecedented times? Should we expect to see a pretty material uh, reduction in the amount that you spend on your program and film rights in the second half?
1: Why don't I take the second half question, I'll let John address the first half, Um, Vince, and thank you for your comments about JR. Um, It's obvious that given that, you know, all all the productions in Canada are on hiatus, that there will be an impact on our programming, uh, cash investments, and amortization. At this juncture, it's just it's just too difficult to predict the, um, the size and scope of that. Um, you know, obviously, we're all hoping that you know, we can get back in business on these productions as soon as possible, but to be prudent um, and safe, it's likely that we won't. So that's some of the work we're doing you know, right now is staying close to our partners, both in the U.S. and Canada, to try to understand the <clears throat> status of their various productions. But I think it, it's safe to say that th- there will be a cost and cash impact which will be favorable um, and the details of which we'll be more able to provide in the next quarter results.
2: Based on, the, on the cash flows, um, you're right, both in the quarter and year-to-date, we're up about $21 million of cash out on programming. That is, um, is many, many moving pieces. I'd say the larger pieces are around what you mentioned, the Canadian production. Uh, we did have a ramp-up that was occurring uh, for the back half of 2020, uh, and into the beginning of 21, So you'll see some effect of that in the second quarter for sure. There can also just be timing um, matters that happen quarter to quarter, even over the year end. So uh, there's a little bit of that on the foreign programming supply, but it's mostly the Canadian, as you as you point out.
3: Okay. okay I'll try to limit it to two more here. I'm sure there's lots of questions on the line. Let me ask one on cost first. So the restructuring costs were $10 million, Q2 versus 4 million last year. Is that in any way related to initial efforts to maybe try to reduce your cost structure or did that all predate the crisis in either way? Can can you add any more financial detail to these discretionary costs that you talked about of trying to reduce in terms of uh, travel and upfront and and other things? Sure. Uh,
2: So in the quarter... There were several things going on. There's, I think, ongoing uh, restructuring that happens at Chorus. Uh It was not COVID-19 related. That, um, that wasn't occurring in Q2. Uh, t- so two other things. So, yes, there's definitely that uh, normal flow of activity. The other things that were going on were we did shut down uh, another channel in the quarter that uh, had some restructuring costs associated with it, some write-downs, and as well there's some other uh, – infrastructure-type programs that are going on, and those do drive some restructuring costs as well. So that's why it's up uh, to that level in Q2, but nothing is uh, related to the current situation.
3: And quantifying these discretionary costs you talked about trying to reduce, is there any any ballpark on what we're talking about there?
1: Well, um I wouldn't give you a number, but I think it's safe to say that, you know, we're not, no one's traveling, no one's going for dinner. Uh, we've we've ceased all third-party marketing investments externally. Uh, we've canceled our upfront, you know, so I think you could take a look at, you know, H2 last year and compare it to what might be happening this year and, and take out to make some relatively reasonable assumptions and get to a decent number. It's, it's fairly meaningful. Um, and, uh, you know, we're looking for more places to go. I mean, we're committed to, as I said on my call, um you know we appreciate the essential services that we provide, and so we're balancing um the prudent stewardship of our of our balance sheet with making sure we deliver news to our um to Canadians so um but i think it's 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 gonna be you know a reasonably a reasonable solid pickup year over year
3: okay, and my last one, as you can imagine, me on advertising, so I assume if you wanted to give us any sense of what's happened in the last uh, two or three weeks of March, you would have done it, but I'll throw that out there. But also just specifically, you mentioned some of these categories, Doug. Um, you know, in terms of restaurants and and so forth. I I still see a fair number of ads for, for some restaurant categories, especially delivery and um and takeout places, like pizza companies and Swiss LA and you even saw a hotels ad last night that was a new ad, not what just one of the old ones. Is this just stuff that people are prepaid for, so they have to use the airtime as opposed to anything new that's been committed? I mean, the ads definitely haven't been canceled, but how can you just walk us through exactly what's going on in these categories that you say have gone to zero?
1: Absolutely, and and I'm very pleased to hear that you're watching more television, Vince. That's great. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's, lo- there's lots of uh, – well, this is part of the so, – so, you know, a lot of advertisers hit the brakes, and they're retooling their messages. So there's a ton of examples – in um, local and national radio and in television, the the hotels example, Captain Obvious, I think is a great one. And it's a new PSA urging us all to stay at home. Um, you know, we you know we're seeing a new advertising campaign some Garnier hair products, you know, basically with touch-up products for you know for your roots, not your roots, of course, but those of us that have roots. Um, Ford, you know, Ford's got a new campaign saying, you know, for those of you who um, have leases and need to rearrange payments, you know, please reach out to Ford Subaru. Uh, has got spots thanking frontline workers. These are all new campaigns that have been lit up in the last couple weeks. So, you know, in many cases, there's been a cessation of of campaigns that were booked. We've shifted dollars, and we've tried to retool the message. Um, We have other examples, you know, locally of – you mentioned, you know, restaurants doing home delivery – um, you know, appliance stores trying to create safe shopping environments. IT companies helping Canadians set up home offices. Professional service organizations, employment law, <laughs> lots of those coming to the fore. Automotive repair shops, you know, offering pickup and drop-off services. So, it, you know, this is part of the work that the teams are doing. And I mentioned, I mentioned creative solutions. We're we're reaching out to all of our partners because they still have businesses they have to run, and the ones that are able to remain open are still looking for ways to drive sales. And then the ones that are required to be um, sort of shut down, they are working feverishly to develop, you know, the, the return to normal, and we're building campaigns at the moment for that. So if that gives you a little bit of color, um, you know, hopefully that's of use to you.
0: Yeah, very helpful. I'll pass the away.
1: Thanks, Vince. Be well.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Adam Schein with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Your line is now open.
4: Oh, thank you. So uh, also reiterating condolences to the Shaw family and, uh, you know, to you, Doug, and, uh, and John, you know, hopefully uh, you and your families are uh, are healthy and well. Uh, maybe you. a little housekeeping item uh, questions for John, and then a couple more serious ones looking ahead for you, Doug. Just on the housekeeping, John, uh, in the Q2, it looked like, you know, there was some one-timers in terms of retroactive adjustment for a new uh, distribution agreement, I'm wondering if you could quantify that. Uh, additionally, uh, an SBOT sale uh, in other, um, so I don't know if you can address that quickly or or need to review that later. Uh, then maybe, you know, for Doug, I know Vince touched on this, I'm not sure if you answered it, but maybe I'll push you a little bit. Uh, you know, pockets of relief um, hopefully will come from the government in a number of areas, um, you know, I know there's been some uh, relief in regards to part one fees, but that seems to be more looking ahead somehow into the fiscal 21, maybe you could, you know, sort of clarify that, maybe even quantify that, and address any other areas of potential relief that you see potentially coming to further help address some of the top line pressure. Sure.
2: Okay, Adam, um, I'll, I'll get into the numbers. So, on subscribers, there were uh, two things, well, maybe three things in there this quarter. Uh one is, yes, there was a retroactive adjustment on uh, carriage agreement. That was about $2 million benefit to the quarter. Uh, the two other things that were going on is, you know, we did have the impact of the channel shutdowns, uh, two in the fall, and then one more in December. That's about a $3 million uh, hit the other way. So those two items don't quite offset. Uh, and then, you know, given that we were up 1% pro forma, uh, you can imagine that Stack TV is performing well, and it's, it's adding uh, to um, – to that line. So, those are the three kind of moving parts in subscribers for the quarter. In terms of SFOD, that's about a $3 million item in Q2. Uh, that, that particular deal is now on an 18-month cycle, so you would have last seen it in Q4 of 18, uh, so that's why it's there now. And just before Doug gets to the government relief, the, the benefit of the Part 1 fee reduction, um, and these are based on the government's fiscal year, so that's, that's April to March. Uh, so starting now, that's about a two million dollar cash and uh, and expense benefit to us starting uh, this month. Yeah, Adam, I I've been in
1: very regular contact with Ottawa, um, the the Heritage Ministry, and and other uh, players. Uh, and we're advocating for relief measures for the broadcast and production industries. Um, we understand the government is working on a variety of programs to support multiple sectors in the Canadian economy, many of us – all of us who are p- impacted by the crisis. Um, but there's active discussion, so a, cou- a couple comments. Firstly, um, you know some of the existing measures that have been announced, uh, for example, deferring remittance of GST, HST, QST collected from February, April through to end of June. Without penalty is a, is a helpful uh, on cash. Similarly, the ability to defer income tax installments um, to September 1st without penalty is another cash uh, benefit. So those are things that um, are helpful. John mentioned the CRTC Part 1 fees. Uh, you know, uh, there also has been the announcement of a wage subsidy, um, but we're not quite uh, yet of the details and visibility as to whether or not um, Corus would be eligible for that. Um, from, a reg- from a regulatory uh, modernization of the Broadcast Act, um, you know, we have been, as you know, advocating that we need more rapid change than waiting to the next group-based license period. There is no doubt that this crisis has accelerated the need for modernization of uh, broadcast policy. Namely, um, we are strongly of the view that the sole obligation for us should be to provide news, uh, local, national, television, radio, digital, Canadians um, on a timely and important basis this is a, a, a pandemic that is rife with fake news and it's our job to provide real news, and that our, uh, our traditional obligations of paying of programming expenditures need to be comp- commensurately reduced. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Um, in a practical manner, there's no way that we can spend the money we have to spend this year given the shutdown in production. And so it just goes without saying, I think, that the acceleration of changes to the, um, the requirements is in- inevitable, um, uh, but at the moment, there's nothing that's been uh, specifically revealed. But we do anticipate, based on um, discussions I've been having, that measures should be revealed in the coming weeks that uh, we'd be mindful of the pressure that the broadcast and production sectors are under.
4: Right. So uh, thank you for that. I'll queue up again.
0: Thanks, Adam. Your next question comes from the line of Aravinda Golapesic with Canaccord. Please go ahead. Your line is now open.
5: Good morning.
6: Thanks for taking my questions. And uh, Doug and John, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, On the, um, I wanted to start on the dividend and and sort of the decision to declare uh, to sort of defer the declaration. Uh, can you give a little bit more color as to how you're thinking about the dividend? I mean, is there sort of a, a red line in terms of the ad trends that you're looking at? You know, should that be crossed, and you'll probably uh, you know look, think about uh, the options you have, including suspension or reduction and so on. Um, and you know, whatever color you can uh, provide on you know what that red line would look like, given sort of the headroom that you typically have in terms of that, uh, to, that div- to that dividend to that dividend. And then in terms of the ads, um, I was wondering if, you, to the extent that you can, whether you can sort of give us a sense of the mix. When you talk, uh, Doug, you talked about this, some of this, the most, most affected sectors, travel, uh, airlines, et cetera. What's the, uh, what's the mix there um, so we can have a sense of, uh, you know, make up our own minds as to where ad trends
1: could go? Uh, It's a hard one to really give you anything that I think would be very helpful. Um, So, I mean, I think it's – I gave you some examples of uh, retooling messages. You know, obviously, you know, airlines aren't advertising right now, (laughs) um, nor nor would hotels be advertising right now, and travel. Um, So those are all basically done. Uh, In terms of a mix, I I, I really couldn't give you a number. Maybe we can follow up with you on that one. Um, I'll just make a couple comments, and then John can address, you know, your your dividend question. What's, I think, really important for all of us to recognize is, you know, the world changed three weeks ago. Um, Our first priority was uh, the continuity of our business uh, and our um, essential obligations to Canadians. Our business strategies remain unchanged, you know, to diversify our revenue base, you know, to build our growing content business, to focus on consolidated top-line growth save and accept for the Super Bowl simulcast in the last quarter. I think we delivered on what we said we would do. Um, We are obviously at this juncture taking a very aggressive position on our cost structure, but we're also supporting our employees across the country uh, who are working for Chorus um, and isolating in their homes at this time with their families. Um, uh, So our financial position is solid, um, but we're recognizing that the world's changed and we're just positioning our company, you know, to endure whatever lies ahead. And then, as, as I say, always it's hard to look around the corner. And once again, it's hard to look around the corner. I'll let John talk a little bit more about the dividend. Sure. Thanks, Doug.
2: Uh, you know, Ervin, as, as we said both in the uh, press release and then in the prepared remarks, it really is an abundance of caution right now, just given that, you know, we, we really don't know how long this is going to go on for and, and what the overall impact is ultimately going to be. So, you know, I think really what's happening here is, you know, we do have time on our side. We just paid the dividend uh, yesterday and the next one's not uh, normally scheduled till June 30th. So it, it just struck us that the timing uh, really doesn't work in our favour. That timing is kind of a hangover from when we had a monthly dividend. So the, um, you know, the attitude of let's just see how this goes, we've got lots of time, I think, is, is just being very, very prudent. Uh, and, you know, as I said, it's not a reduction, it's not elimination, it's not even a suspension. Right now we're just saying, you know, we've got time to decide this. In terms of you know, some of the, the things that we're going to be monitoring very carefully and, and not just in respect to the dividend is, you know, clearly what's happening with the revenue directory. And then, you know, as Doug talked about it a fair, in a fair bit of length, you know, we just don't know what production looks like and, and what that's going to translate to um, in terms of cost savings for us. So there's a lot of moving pieces. You know, obviously we can work hard on the SG&A type costs, but uh, there's just a lot of, of unknowns right now. So I think, you know, as as we get through some of those uncertainties and, and things become a little clearer, then we'll definitely be in a better position to, uh, to make this decision. You know, obviously the payout ratio, when you look at historical uh, levels and historical levels of free cash flow, has been, you know, quite modest under 20%. So that's, you know, clearly something that is in the back of our mind and, and that will be a main consideration as well.
6: Thanks, John. Just a quick
2: follow up, and I apologize if I missed it uh, during
6: your prepared remarks. Uh, with respect to the covenant, um, can you just uh, clarify uh, whether the, the, the covenant is sort of XIFR 16 or it's actually factored in uh, the accounting
2: change? Sure. So, you know, I mentioned that the, the calculation is different, but coincidentally, the outcome is very similar to. The net segment, or sorry, the net debt to segment profit that we report of 3.0 times. So here, here's the three differences, just to be very clear. One is it is before IFRS 16, so debt levels are measured before the lease liability. It's just the bank debt. Uh, number two is it's proportionate EBITDA. Effectively, it's not consolidated EBITDA. Uh, is is the other uh, key difference I think in the calculation, and uh, and it's it's on a trailing 12 month basis, which is what we also do for. Um, for the uh, reported number,
5: okay, thank you uh, thanks
6: Irvanda. be be safe.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Mariagi with Desjardin. Please go ahead. Your line is now open.
7: uh thank you for taking my question, and uh again i uh I hope everyone stays safe and uh, work from home uh until this is over uh so i wanted to ask you a question yesterday i was uh listening to uh the highest rated uh radio channel here by the bell media um, group in montreal and for two hours i did not hear one advertisement which you know i i kind of was stunned by it uh i wanted to ask you uh On the radio side, we talked on the TV side, but on the radio side, how are things uh, going in terms of advertising? And uh, it seems to me this more likely to be more affected, I guess, by from TV, Uh, can you maybe add some clarity on, or some uh, uh, quality, you know, give some quality in terms of where we're going in terms of ad trends there?
1: Um, okay. Um, well, let me start with audiences. So, given the fact that um, I mean, our news, our news radio is up substantially, um, but given the fact that people aren't driving around anymore to go to work, our, um, you know, the the share of, on our F, our FMs are are down um, uh, because you know they're not listening to music on their commute. From a category perspective, you know, you're seeing stuff like. Um, uh, restaurants, as I said before, furniture stores, uh, some of those other players not advertising. Professional services are advertising. Um, government is actually advertising quite a bit more now, as uh, you've probably noticed. Maybe not in Montreal, but certainly here in Ontario. Um, but but the, the the likely suspects in terms of of categories like movies, you know, n- not advertising. Um, uh, auto quite a bit slowed down, no one's no one's going for cars, real estate, you know, open houses are not happening. So those are all things that are kind of in the moment that we're experiencing. Um, I, I You know, I wouldn't want to quantify it per se, but I would say that, um, you know, the local businesses are the ones I think they're going to get the most hardly hit. They're also the ones that I think, you know, the government's trying to support. So, um, you know, I'll just leave it at that.
7: Right so yeah exactly so you know on the radio side it's more probably local than on the TV side but um do you see a um, you know Vince was referring to this uh, earlier uh, some of the ads that you're seeing right now on TV are the are they uh, prepaid ads or uh, pre uh, um uh, agreed on slots that they are basically filling up because they agreed to them uh, historically uh, and how about new ad campaigns uh, what, you know going into the next couple of months how are you seeing those getting affected by covid-19
1: yeah so thank you for the question um so let me just give you a couple examples so we're taking you know, we're we're doing we're taking immediate uh actions to minimize the short-term impact on on revenue writ large, and that's both advertising and subscribers. Let me just take a minute and kind of drill down into that. Um, In terms of advertising, what we're doing is we're leveraging our in-house production to ensure we can reposition the creative and to engage with new business initiatives given the reality. So restaurants turn their focus on not not, in-store dining but on delivery, for example. I mentioned a couple of examples earlier in my call about what's been happening with other advertisers. Um, you know, we have also developing a banner, um, which you'll see in the, in the coming uh, days, I hope, our week anyways, called Hashtag Canada Together, and it's a campaign with a number of, of kind of um, uh, pillar advertisers that are reaching out to help ha- shed a light on what great things Canadians are doing around the country during this time of need. So we're trying to basically use our platform to um, – bring new creative and new messages to Canadians. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the examples also of editorial programming include the Ontario Medical Association, our Royal Bank of Canada, the small business support programs, Clorox, you know, uh, in terms of healthy at home series. And I mentioned earlier the Government of Canada. Um, advertising, so there 's a lot of things that are very very fluid and again compliments to the to the, our sales teams for being innovative and creative in terms of providing solutions that 's the advertising side i, I don 't want everybody to lose sight of the subscriber side because there's a, there 's there's a, there's a very good story there, um, and we 're focused on building deeper audience connections. Hey, listen, Canadians are rediscovering television right now um, you know this this is the thing there's, people have a lot more time on their hands and Uh, It's evident in some of the ratings we're seeing, Um, you know, the global story is remarkable. Not just news, but across the entire network up 41% is is unbelievable. So as they rediscover TV, we're working on improving the value proposition. So the new global television app is unbelievable. It's got got global TV live and on demand. It's got eight specialty channels, assuming you get those in your bundle. Um, We've expanded the, the, uh, the uh, content before the wall to, to 14 days so they can catch up. is a free preview of all of our channels now beyond just the Global TV app across the country using BDUs. We've got globalnews.ca, which is a free website that Canadians around the world can go to for their information. And we also mentioned in a remark, Stack TV, um, and, which we're um, promoting with a new campaign and Nick Plus on our networks to promote um, new subscribers. So. Um, You know, the the results of the Q2 on subscriber, I think, are notable, especially pro forma, and um, we expect to continue to to focus on those areas to ensure we can provide Canadians who don't have a cable subscription with our content um, and those that do to give them a better value proposition so they'll stay subscribers for the future.
7: Great. Okay, thanks for that. And and my last question is on the cost side. Uh, Can you maybe tell us, You know what kind of cost initiatives or reductions we might see in Q3, Q4 um, to offset some of the top line pressure. And also, when you think about uh, the business going forward after we get out of this uh, COVID-19 situation, which evidently I think hopefully we will, uh, are you seeing a potential uh, cost? A change in the structure of your business that can improve margins going forward as you learn from uh, the current situation in order to improve your cost structure going
8: forward.
2: Sure, I mean, Doug covered a lot of those. I think your, your final point there is, is a good one and, and one that uh, we're definitely going to keep an eye on uh, as we continue through our new way of working for sure. You know, Doug t- talked about, uh, you know, what we're doing in terms of headcount, uh, some of the discretionary costs, you know, by definition, a lot of them have, have gone away or, or out of necessity, uh, and other things that, that we're looking to do. Um, you know, I think the biggest cost we have is programming, uh, and that's where the biggest uncertainty is right now, just given that everything has been shut down. So, you know, that um, that is definitely a moving target. We're talking to the uh, the U.S. studios on a very regular basis to understand you know, what they're doing, uh, obviously they have to keep programming on the air as well, and, and that impacts global in particular. So, you know, we're going to continue to follow that and monitor that. Uh, ca- you know, Canadian programming is shut down, and that's, uh, for us, uh, probably a more immediate uh, impact because we, um, we would typically be running that now as we get towards the summer season, especially on our lifestyle channels. So the slowdown in that production uh, will have a, a benefit to cost uh, in the short term, uh, again, we're quantifying that on a real-time basis, just you know, based on, on what we know. But that seems to be changing by the day. Uh, you know, so we're going to continue to work hard. You know, we we've sent people back and said, you know, if you've got costs that are committed, let's figure out if that's actually the case. Um, you know, things can be in that category in in normal business times, but perhaps. You know they're not going to happen anymore. So, and there's lots of examples of those types of things, whether they're promotions or other events, uh, or just you know other activity of, of really any kind that isn't going to be happening right now. So, you know we're going to continue. We've we've got this on um, a very short leash in terms of the the cycle of of what we're doing and how we're looking at uh, at things going forward.
1: I'll just add. Um, you know this management team and our larger team um of leaders uh we've got pretty good muscle memory on expense control and how how to manage a challenging time you you know uh and you know, we we'll'll bring that same game you know to this situation um uh adeptly i'm certain um, just to give you some examples, I think your question about, you know, working differently is, is clearly one of the benefits. I was with a friend of mine over the weekend, went for a long uh, six-foot-spaced walk and uh, talking about what's going to be different. And um, there's no doubt, you know, we have we have 75% of our population of roughly 3,400 people that are working, uh, that are out of our offices. Um uh, which is quite remarkable we have 52 radio shows that are being run remote in people's homes including john derringer for q107 in the morning um there are a litany of examples of this we have you know we have news broadcasters who are self-isolating like ferran asara who's been at her home uh here for global tv uh, in toronto um, and as we do more and more of this we're learning more and more things about how we could be working differently and so You know, those learnings will continue to accrue as we deal with this crisis and um, certainly will inform some different ways of doing things once we return back to whatever the new normal is. Um, But it's hard to to put a dollar on that at the moment other than the fact that, you know, we're all at home, we're all using, you know, Zoom video or Skype for business or we're all using different technologies that are working well. Um, And uh, I think that will open the doors to uh, lots of interesting opportunities in in the future.
7: Okay, thank you.
1: Thank you and be safe.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Jeff Van with Scotiabank. Please go ahead, your line is now open.
9: Thank you, good morning. My condolences to the course and the Shaw family and Doug and John hope you're both well. Thanks, John. Um, I want to just focus a little bit more on the programming cost. Um, I mean, there's two aspects here I think you touched on a little bit regarding your production and your delivery of shows as well as the output agreements that you have with us studios so maybe on your production um you know canadian production shut down it sounds like in your comment that you're still delivering your shows through q3 i just want to clarify that um that you're still getting a delivery done on your end and then flip it to the u.s output deals um i know like what is what do you getting from the U.S. studios now in terms of delivery schedules through the next three to six months, like based on shows that have been uh, produced and post-production, are are you going to get shows delivered to you? Or are there no shows being delivered? Can you just help us think through that a little bit? And, and if there are no shows delivered, um, the commitment, uh, I would suspect that you're not going to be paying for any content. So that's a big relief because I'm going down this path because this is very different from, you know, other recessions. I mean, other recessions have had just a revenue advertising impact, but this has programming and you know, distribution delivery impact as well. So can you give us some visibility on the U.S. studios and also your production?
1: Yeah, happy to. And uh, t- uh, John and I will kind of tag team this one, I think. I'll let him speak to the kind of accounting uh, on output deals and such, and I can make some comments just to the to the schedule. You're right, this is a very unusual uh, situation. Um, so just on conventional where, you know, Simulcast is an important part of the business model, um, and which is, which is all U.S. studio-based, um, most studios have already decreased their season show orders. Um, you know, it's all very title-specific, uh, and it all depends on where they were in terms of their production pipeline. Some are in post, so they'll be able to finish it for those that were doing principal photography, you know, the US situation is, you know, very uh, disparate, right? You've now got hotspots in Florida, Atlanta, Georgia's a big tax credit uh, TV production area, California of course is in lockdown. Uh, Texas actually is, you know, taking a different tack. Uh, we all know about New York so it it is uh, as you can imagine, given the size of investment that the u s studios make in their content there is a there is a wide variety of potential outcomes that we could experience so that will be more apparent i think as the as the months tick on we, we have we have content you know on our our conventional network through the end of q three so q three is kind of locked and loaded for the most part. There may be a couple of examples of things that won't occur, but that's that's very much good as for q four that's kind of jump ball we just don't know. In terms of Canadian, um, we, have a, we have a very good bank. You know, recall that we were you know, as of last year, given last year's growth in revenue, we had to step up to spend this year, which is part of the thing we were talking about in terms of our obligations being onerous and, and unheralded even before the crisis. Um, the good news in that regard is we've got a lot of shows that were made by Cora Studios that will air on HTTV Food Network and History. Um, uh, Those are the very same shows, by the way, that we're getting the phones ringing quite a bit from U.S. buyers saying, I need content, but that's one of the things that we didn't actually think about occurring when this happened was that um, we're seeing some content licensing business popping out of nowhere um, that is uh, an opportunity for us. Um, When you look at the costs on the Canadian productions for those ones that aren't in the can, there's kind of two things that happens. One is we have to flow cash out the door to produce the show, which is a cash impact, doesn't show up on, on EBITDA yet, uh, but then, then it hits EBITDA when it airs as an amortization. Uh, and so there's, there's a double uh, kind of whammy effect here in terms of the production shutdown. It'll have a cash impact um, and it'll have an amort impact depending on when the bank of existing shows in the can runs out and we can't replace it with other content that would have been produced through the cash investment, if that if you follow me. Um, so that's just a little bit about the dynamics of that. To to actually size that is is virtually impossible right now just because of the uncertainty ahead. I'll let John talk a little
2: bit about the output deals on our specialty channels because that's an important uh, piece of it too. Yeah. So, Jeff, on um, on U.S. programming, uh, obviously a, a big part of the programming on specialty, on branded channels uh, like HG, food, uh, CMT, et cetera, those... Um, those output deals from those uh, studios are multi-year and the way they get accounted for is they're capitalized up front when the deal is done and then the amortization starts. So once they start, it's, you know, the amortization isn't going to stop. Within the uh, commitments in those deals, there are in many cases a minimum number of hours or new hours per year that we, um, we had been promised. So to the extent, you know, that this, Showed a slowdown goes on longer. I guess there could be discussions about you know that commitment and whether that should result in some kind of an adjustment in the, in the price temporarily to get you know before we get back to normal levels of output. Um, we do buy some standalone series for specialty again. You know those get set up when we buy them and they're amortized uh, over their life. On the global side, you know Doug covered off. Uh, you know what we're seeing there. That's uh, what we call the pay per play model. So. As the show airs uh, on a U.S. network in prime time, uh, we are triggered, uh, payments triggered, and we tend to air those in simulcast, obviously, to get the maximum audience. Uh, that um, that will continue as long as there are, are new episodes available and being aired in the U.S. Uh, then, you know, what we've seen in the past, I think back to the writer's strike in 08, uh, where there were no new shows available, so repeats start to be delivered. Uh, the good news there is we used to have a model back then where we paid the same price basically for a repeat as an original, the model has changed significantly now. So yes, we will still pay for certain repeats, but it won't be at the same price as what we pay for an original episode. So I think that will be helpful, uh, going forward. Now, you know, obviously audiences on repeats are different than audiences on originals, but you know, given that there is a challenge in monetizing audiences, uh, that is a a different scenario than what we've seen in the past. So, you know, there's, there's many different ways of, um, of receiving this U.S. programming, and we're, we're obviously watching them all. I guess the thing I leave you with is, you know, we're monitoring these on a show-by-show basis so we understand exactly what's going on and what that financial commitment looks like to us. And that's, that's why I said, you know, we're talking to the studios real-time just to understand exactly what's happening with deliveries and, and the programming schedules, particularly on the uh, on the conventional networks in prime time because that's where the, the bigger ticket shows are. Let me just maybe add a couple other comments. Um,
1: Again, I've used the term and I've used it purposefully that Canadians are rediscovering television, certainly the, the millennials, um, and uh, and the notion of having repeats over the summer um, might actually be a pretty good thing. It'll be less expensive than typical, and there's no Olympics, so people will be at home discovering shows that they might have missed because they were too busy doing other things before the crisis hit. So. Uh, you know, Again, obviously, I think our teams would prefer to have you know, new content, um, but the good news is there is content that we'll have, and we'll have an opportunity to attract more audiences over the summer if this, God help us, persists that long, and we know that the Olympics won't be um, happening this, this year. I want to make a, a quick comment about Nelvana, because that's also part of the, um, the, the CPE production side. Um, we've moved really quickly to um, move some of the big shows out of the studio. We've migrated our crews uh, to a work-from-home status, emphasizing you know, uh, the priority of, of certain series that are scheduled for de- delivery this fiscal year. Um, Hardy Boys is a show that, that's now in post-production, um, which has been sold to Hulu, um, which is going to be delivered, which is a promising opportunity. Um, just on um, our merchandising side, while I'm talking about Nelvana, Bakugan was, was performing extremely well. Um, it's obviously been put on hold for the moment. That's In my view, that's simply a shift. We'll, we'll get that business. We'll just get it in a couple quarters versus getting it in the, in the back half of, of this year. Um, and then lastly, <coughs> our Toon Boom animation software business, they're all working from home, and that business continues moving along. So um, there's a little color for you there on some other parts.
9: Thanks. Um, just a couple of very quick follow-ups. Um, back on the output deals on the specialty side, um, did I hear you right that the amortization, once you have those output deals signed, that doesn't stop uh, even you know even as we go through this uh, process? Yeah, that's right. Okay. So no, I mean, what about the cash? Sorry. go ahead
1: so I was gonna say yeah that's right but I mean no, no one's ever encountered this before so hopefully it's, it's a it's a temporary pause and not like a prolonged pause but you know th- these are these are you know uh, unusual times
9: understood um, the cash component of those uh, output deals um, re- again related to the uh, specialties um, were those all paid upfront already or are those on oh. an annual oh. or quarterly
2: yeah those are those are typically Quarterly. Um, and so those again will continue to, to run. Um, you know, as I said, if there's a, an underperformance in delivery of original hours, just to the extent that there's a, a minimum in the deal, then obviously we'd want to be having conversations about, you know, how that was going to be uh, compensated for. Right. And then those minimum hours, are there stipulations
9: on uh, what's new versus like something that's kind of in the library? um the uh, the uh, the type of content that they have to deliver
2: yeah each deal is different but the you know the minimum hours tend to be originals right that's okay. that's where the that's where we can drive the most audience
9: okay so in in the end like based on all this explanation it sounds like there is a little bit more flexibility with um the global um programming costs uh, versus the U.S. programming, which is still kind of to be determined based on show by show, program by program. Is that yeah. is that a fair assessment?
2: Yeah. When you say global, I think you mean Canadian.
9: Yeah, uh, Canadian, Can, yeah. Canadian conventional.
2: Okay, absolutely, that's totally within yeah. our control. Uh, foreign on global, it's subject to what the U.S. studios deliver and what gets aired in the U.S. Okay, and then comment. and
1: then Canadian and CPE spend on specialty is the one that's most impacted by the production hiatus. And that that's the one that has the cash and amor impact.
9: Okay, lots of moving parts. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that. that's
1: just it. That's just it. It's it's uh it's you know it's it's a uh, interesting time for sure.
6: Okay, thanks for the explanation. Thank be you.
1: Well. Thank you Jeff. Yeah, you're well
0: your next question comes from the line of David Mcfadden with CoreMark Securities. Please go ahead, your line is now open. <laughs>
8: Oh, uh, hi, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, so, Doug, in your prepared marks, you talked about a material disruption to ad revenues. I wasn't sure if you are talking about the industry or you are talking about CORE specifically or maybe you're referring to both. So I was wondering if you could clarify that. And can you not give us any sort of idea, um, maybe with advanced bookings or the last two weeks, on how the ad revenue is being impacted or just and i love to get some ideas as to how much it's trending down at all
1: yeah my my comment was the the, the whole industry the whole television sector globally um is impacted uh and of course as 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 well um you know we, we in Canada there's different levels of impact, of course you know you know uh fortunately or unfortunately you know we don't have sports. Um, uh, so that's a different impact uh, for us relative to the others in our market, um, but it's not, you know, it's not surprising that it has been impacted. You know, what we would like to answer this question with is to say, you know, three weeks ago the whole world changed. Um, you know, we've described today what we're doing to ensure business continuity. Our, you know, our, our business strategies remain the same. Uh, we've taken appropriate and necessary and important um, actions on our on managing expenses and costs. We have financial flexibility, um, given the fact that in the last six quarters we've paid down $337 million of bank debt, uh, and we're well we're we're well healed to to, to deal with whatever comes. Um, and we're continuing to work with with diligence to ensure um, that we understand the environment, but. You know, it, it would. It's impossible to size the impact at this point in time.
8: Okay. Um, so maybe just so another question. Then you know, the merchandising distribution other revenue was up 50% in Q2. I was wondering if you have any sort of outlook on what Q3 and Q4 would be. I mean, you talked about the fact that you know a lot of productions have stopped, and so people need to fill their grid, and so they're reaching out to you and possibly buying more programming from you. So that would obviously be a benefit to you. Uh, I was wondering, can you, can you give us any clarity on that?
2: Sure. Well, David, let me answer that by giving you a little bit of color on, on what's in Q2. uh, So you can get a sense of it. You know, as I've said before, the other revenue includes a lot of things, but, you know, kind of content revenue is about 90% of it. Uh, Now of that, you know, almost half of it was, Uh, deliveries of of shows and then you get into things like merch and publishing and Toon Boom. Uh, So, you know, depending on what part of it we're talking about, given that production has uh, slowed down for now but we're getting it back up and running as as Doug just described, you know, there will be some reduction in that we would expect uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, He talked about the merch line, you know, it's it's still a relatively small component of that other, but growing rapidly. So that will see some slowdown deferral. And on the, on the publishing side, you know, again, that had a strong quarter. But, you know, we do know that some of the online uh, booksellers, i.e. Amazon, have stopped shipping books. So, you know, that, that will slow down the publishing side. Having said all that, you know, the activity underlying uh, the development uh, will continue, and, and those teams are being equipped to work from home as well. Uh, So you know the the big items I'd say are looking like they're going to slow down probably temporarily, Uh, but yeah there are opportunities for sure we've got that big library at Nelvana and the growing library at Core Studios so that is an opportunity we can't size that right now because those deals are all in flight.
0: Okay. All
8: All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank
2: you, David.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Tim Casey with BMO. Please go ahead. Your line is now open.
5: Thanks. Good morning. Um, just following up on the advertising discussion, Doug, can you comment on what sort of process you guys are going to go through and the industry given, you know, we're, we're coming up to upfront season. Obviously that's canceled across the board, but just, you know, no one can really uh, – uh, set a schedule yet, given the production issues you've detailed. Um, and, you know, sports may be back. That's going to impact ratings. I'm sure they're, you know, the sports networks are offering generous make goods. I mean, how how do you think the industry will, will um, you know, uh, conduct, you know, normal business, if I can call it that? given, you know, the traditional processes are are, you know, obviously derailed here. And and you know, that I suppose that's gonna lead into the, the discussion of when when there'll be more clarity on all these type of things.
1: Yeah, if you can help me with that answer, Tim, I'd appreciate it because it's you know, obviously yeah. no one can predict the the future. You know, listen, I don't know, quite frankly. um, The upfront cycle in Canada is something that all of us, the broadcasters, have talked over the last couple of years or two, like, why are we doing that? Um, You know, in the U.S., it's a bit of a different animal. You know, they have a different buying process. Um, In Canada, you know, we have – and this is a question Mahar was asking earlier about what might change, what kind of things might you stop doing. You know, one could have argued prior to the COVID crisis that the upfronts were an expensive uh, exercise that weren't really necessary. So I don't really, frankly, think that it's going to have a material impact in terms of the buying cycle, as you put it, or the process for placing dollars. You know, we we work with our major agency groups on on an annual basis and arrange for the year ahead. And I think we'll just, you know, do the same thing this year. Um, We'll find ways to screen our new shows, probably digitally. Um, and so I don't, I don't really see that as a as a major factor in terms of the you know the go forward process. You know, if sports comes back, then everything comes back, right? So that that in that regard, the world returns to normal. My uh, my thinking, emerging thinking here, based on looking at our audience trending on our networks, is that you know you know Adult Swim's up you know more than a hundred percent right now um, from where it was just three, three weeks ago. Um, I use the term rediscovering television. I think, you know, we're going to have a lot of folks that'll, that will determine that they really like HGTV, maybe haven't watched it for a while, but it's what it used to be when there were, you know, fans maybe before the era of streaming platforms or not. Um, but I do think that, it, it, that there will be, be a benefit, a residual benefit, in, and I hate to benefit from this crisis, don't get me wrong, but I think there will be a residual benefit from the fact that the Canadians are in, in their home and they've got, they're watching a lot of television and um, they will build affinity to our channels and our, our shows. So um, as, as what that means, that the thing that I mentioned in my prepared remarks is it's really, really difficult at this point in time to size how we can monetize those new audiences. Um, and that's where I think what's really important is, you know, as I went through the discipline of saying, here's what we know, here's what we don't know, here's what we're doing, um, you know, we're continuing to work with our advertisers who... You know, they're, all their sales are down, too, right? So, you know, they want to get back in business, and they're trying to find ways to ensure that their brands have priority. So, you know, we've talked in the past about how the the funnel speaks about, you know, the, the recent frequency of TV uh, nationally and radio nationally is important for brand building. You know, then in the middle of the funnel you have kind of product product knowledge and features and benefits, and the bottom of the funnel is conversion, and digital works at the bottom, trying to move up the funnel. Remove, we're trying to move down the funnel with our audience segment selling, and we'll continue to do that. People are realizing they just can't not be on television. Or they've got to advertise their brands, and so those discussions are are happening now, and I think after the kind of, um, you know, the sort of the, the immediate effect of the pandemic being declared on March the 11th, uh, I, I, would, I would expect in the coming weeks and months, we'll start seeing some new brand sale campaigns um, that will be addressing the need to keep brands front and center in front of Canadians. Thanks, Doug. Thank you.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Drew McReynolds with RBC. Please go ahead. Your line is now open.
10: Yeah, thanks uh, very much. Uh, good morning, um, obviously complex time. So certainly Doug and John, probably on behalf of most on this call, appreciate the transparency and insight really do. Um, two uh, quick follow-ups for me. First, Doug, in your opening remarks, you alluded to you know keeping your eye on the ball on kind of ad tech initiatives and still trying to move that forward. Just want to get a comment on how, how kind of practical that is. Um, on the CapEx side, maybe for you, John, uh, is there any kind of leeway there? Uh, do, you, do, you, do you expect to kind of make any any changes on that front? And, and then lastly, uh, and these can be all quick, uh, on the production side of it, uh, I think kind of Jeff, Jeff asked that one. Uh, is there a kind of point of no return in terms of delivering product into the fall season? I know... You know, not an easy question to answer at this point, but curious uh, from that standpoint. Thank you.
1: I'll take the, the last and the first, and John can take the, the middle. Um, is there a point of no return? Listen, I mean, uh, you know, the nice thing about our model is that we, you know, we, we license in-content, but we also sell content globally, and we, we understand, you know, where lots of content lives. Um, and so our teams are already being um, very creative in terms of uh, identifying potential sources of new programming if needed, you know, for the fall season. So it'll be different, um, uh, but I don't think it's, it's life-threatening by any means whatsoever. Um, so that, so that, that was that one. Um, I'm now blanking on what your first question was. Oh, yeah,
10: AdTech.
1: Yeah, just- uh, yeah. Ad- tech remains a priority, an absolute priority. We're, we're an advocate for a Canada-wide solution on common audience segments. We continue to work with the key broadcasters in Canada to get to that space. We're having some, some progress there. Um, our audience segment selling initiatives, we're not turning off the tap on that one. Um, that's fundamental to transforming how we sell television, which is critical for the future state. Um, and I would suspect, quite frankly, that we'll probably see some interesting new targeted campaigns coming out of that, given the realities of the situation at the moment. But I think advertisers are still sort of redoubling and figuring out where they want to go. So, um, but our advanced advertising team and our, our, Cinch, our CINCH initiative, and all those things we've spoken to you in the past, remain a priority.
2: So, Drew, on on capex, the short answer is yes, there's opportunity. You know, we have a relatively low capital intensity of just two percent, but. Um, you know, if I think of what some of the bigger projects are, you know, Doug just actually touched on on some of them that we want to keep going on because they will drive either revenue or cost efficiency, so those remain important. Uh, now, there's a practical question about how much, you know, we can do, and we do rely on certain vendors um, in some of those cases, so, you know, that's, a, that's an ongoing, just like everything else, uh, you know, an ongoing kind of watch in terms of, you know, how those things can proceed. There's going to be some pressure, obviously, you know, we didn't have a workforce that was completely equipped to work from home, we got ahead of that very quickly. So we've deployed almost 1,000 laptops uh, in the last few weeks. That obviously will come at a a slight capital cost, but certainly well worth the investment. But, you know, overall, we're, like all costs, we're going to, you know, take a very close look at at what's in CapEx and uh, and figure out what we can absolutely, you know, do without uh, in in the near term as we, um, you know, as we have to see how long this is going to go.
10: Okay, thanks very much.
2: Thank you, Drew.
0: And I'm showing no further questions in the queue at this time. I will turn the call back over to Mr. Doug Murphy for closing comments.
1: Thank you, Operator, and thank you, everybody, for the time you've taken today to ask questions and inquire as to um, what COURSE is doing uh, to ensure business continuity, the safety of our people, the essential services we provide to Canadians and managing our business uh, we appreciate all your support, we, we implore all of you to take care of yourselves, be safe, um, and we look forward to speaking to you in the weeks uh, and months ahead. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.